Good morning. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. We begin with coverage of night two of the Republican National Convention. Donald Trump put his presidential powers on full display last night. Now, for a man who comes from the world of reality television, last night offered some made-for-TV moments. Early on in the night, Trump pardoned a man who he says turned his life around after being convicted of robbing a bank. Britt Hume on Fox News called it the most powerful moment of the night. And in a second appearance, the president made his entrance, walking into the song Hail to the Chief, to conduct a mini naturalization ceremony for five immigrants who he said took legal pathways to get here. In other extraordinary moments, Mike Pompeo delivered a taped address from Israel. You could see Jerusalem's skyline in the background as he spoke. The Secretary of State praised the president's decision to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to the, quote, City of God. A recurring theme of the evening was the messaging to women voters. There was a graphic speech delivered from an anti-abortion rights activist and a video of mothers who work in the White House who said the president's policies uplift women. The keynote address came from the First Lady, Melania Trump, speaking from the Rose Garden. To mothers and parents everywhere, you are warriors. In my husband, you have a president who will not stop fighting for you and your families. I see how hard he works each day and night, and despite the unprecedented attacks from the media and opposition, he will not give up. In fact, if you tell him he cannot be done, he just works harder. Trump's daughter Tiffany also spoke. She attacked the media and hinted at conspiracies against Republican voters. Rather than allowing Americans the right to form our own beliefs, this misinformation system keeps people mentally enslaved to the ideas they deem correct. Eric Trump criticized Joe Biden and heaped praise on his father. In closing, I'd like to speak directly to my father. I miss working alongside you every single day, but I'm damn proud to be on the front lines of this fight. I'm proud of what you're doing for this country. I'm proud to show my children what their grandfather is fighting for. I'm proud to watch you give them hell. Never stop. This week, you can really see how influential the Trump kids are in their father's campaign and increasingly in the party. The Atlantic had a cover story last fall that looked at the internal rivalries among the siblings and the competition to take over their father's legacy. And, Dorote, if you've ever watched HBO's Succession, mm-hmm. I know people think that it's based on a family like the Murdochs. But if you ask me, it's a lot more like the Trump family. And just like the show, the Trump kids are always competing to be the favorite child. So who's going to take over? Well, McKay Coppins is the reporter behind The Atlantic piece, and he spoke with dozens of people with ties to the Trumps. He says the rivalry between Don Jr. and Ivanka comes down to competing images of their family. For Don Jr., It's about promoting this populist message, winning favor with millions of loyal voters in the Republican base. And for Ivanka and Jared, it's all about being accepted into the highest echelons of society, the one that they came from in New York City and the one that has sort of shunned them since their father took office. Ivanka has long been seen as the president's favorite child. Even the other siblings kind of joke about it. And she's seen as the most likely choice to take over the empire. But she's also kept her distance from some of her father's policies. She stayed mostly quiet when the administration was being criticized for its treatment of detained migrant children. But she emerged in the press to talk about affordable child care and pay equity. 
According to McKay Coppins, the president would reportedly often say that he wished Ivanka and Jared would return to New York and called them New York liberals when they were out of the room. So what Coppins says is tricky about political dynasties is that sometimes the heir apparent just doesn't resonate with voters. And he also says... That's sort of what's happening with Ivanka. Meanwhile, Don Jr. is thriving, endearing himself to his father's base of supporters, and he's proving to be a successful provocateur, a hype man for Trump. Hmm. The Washington Post also profiled his rise and influence, and they refer to him as, quote, a kingmaker in Trump world. If Don Jr. likes you, he can make you a celebrity. One early Trump advisor told the Washington Post, quote, Don is a bigger asset to the future of the party than his father, regardless of the outcome of the election. Back in February, pharmaceutical workers got together in Boston for an annual conference. They shook hands, networked, you know, conference stuff, got drinks and shared meals. And then they went home. But without knowing it, many of them took the coronavirus with them all over the world, to Singapore and Australia, to Luxembourg and Senegal, to Indiana and North Carolina, and throughout Boston and its surrounding suburbs. Hundreds of people were infected because of that conference in one of the first known super spreader events in the United States. Now, because of a mutation in the virus's genetic code, scientists have been able to trace this chain of infection from the conference in Boston to patients all over the world. The Washington Post has a story about this particular mutation and how it can tell us a lot about how the virus is spreading. The genetic code of the coronavirus is made up of more than 30,000 characters. And scientists discovered, in some of these cases linked to the Boston conference, two of those characters flipped. They switched places. And they found this mutation first in two patients in France, and then in the people at the conference who started getting sick. So a team of scientists thought, if we could see who else had the same mutation, we could trace this super spreader event and see just how far it traveled. So they studied 800 coronavirus genomes and found the mutation had made it to cities across the country and to countries across the world. Scientists say this is the value of the emerging field of genomic epidemiology, that by studying the genomes of infected patients, you can precisely trace where the virus goes and possibly come up with ways to stop the spread. But this takes a lot of tech and it takes a lot of money. So far, of the 5.7 million confirmed cases in the United States, less than 1% have been genetically sequenced. Earlier this month, the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, Kevin Warren, announced because of the coronavirus, he was canceling fall sports, including college football. Now, athletes, Parents and coaches are really angry about this decision. And earlier in the week, parents and players were outside the Big Ten headquarters protesting. Really what we want is transparency. Everything was done without anybody being in the know, and that goes more so for all of our sons. The decisions that were made have not really been communicated to them. So, you know, that's really what we want. We want transparency. ESPN interviewed several people in the Big Ten programs about how Warren is being so sharply criticized. And it's not just that some of the most fanatic sports fans in the country are fans of these schools, like Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. But there's also a ton of money on the line. 
some athletic directors are projecting up to $100 million in lost revenue if they don't play football. What's also fueling their frustration is other conferences like SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are still planning to play. Our coaches, administrators, players, and fans, they all told ESPN they're less upset with the final decision itself and more frustrated with how the decision was reached and the communication, or lack thereof, in the lead-up to the announcement. They're saying there hasn't been transparency from the Big Ten over whether there was a formal vote, and if so, how each school voted. They also want to know if the commissioner pressured school presidents one way or the other. And they say there still hasn't been much clarity on what this means for winter and spring programs. According to a source who spoke to ESPN, everyone is furious. You can find all these stories and more in our show notes page and in the Apple News app. And Apple News is offering special coverage of the Republican National Convention. We'll have nightly live blogs and wrap-ups of speeches, plus reactions and key moments. Visit the Apple News app every evening to find that and more. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. 